how many of you know you're blessed already that's about five of you the rest of you I don't know what you know how many of you know you are already blessed you were blessed when you woke up this morning that's because you walk in blessing but many of us don't always know it pastor Robin says he said are you are you hungry are you expecting something now how many of you have ever been to a surprise birthday party only a few of you the rest of you have never been to a surprise birthday party how many of you have always how many of you have ever experienced a surprise okay a little bit more okay how many of you know that when when there is a surprise you don't know what to expect right when someone says I got a surprise for you it could be a gift as much as it can be you, you, you don't know it's a surprise right so when I say that the Lord has a surprise for you you don't know what to expect now I said from what I taught yesterday I said I want to bring it a little bit deeper okay when I say I want to bring it deeper what I want to teach you today with the Lord's grace is something that will create structure not only in your church but in the kingdom of God there is um, if you study the Word of God and if you study what is happening in society today there are many denominations right everyone knows there are many different denominations right you have brethren you have Baptists you have Pentecostals you have the apostolic movement you have all kinds of different movements that are happening all over the world but at the same time we only have one Bible there's only one gospel at the same time there's only one heaven one kingdom of God here on earth but yet man has stretched things we have stretched it and we have kept what we like and we have rejected which the things that were like ah, I don't know I, I, I don't know if I can stand by that because I've never seen it in my life because I've never been taught it before and many times that's because we've been taught by people who themselves have never experienced it before but there are many things that are part of the kingdom of God which many of us believe but at the same time have never experienced before how many of you have raised somebody from the dead but yet you believe it is possible through Jesus Christ but you might not believe it's possible through you you say but there's nothing inside of me but there is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God that's inside of you is what causes the dead to come back to life. It's what causes the name that you call out to come back to life. That's why when Jesus called for Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was the one who raised from the dead and not everyone else. He was putting a limitation on the words of life that he was speaking. He was saying, I'm bringing life back from the dead and I'm actually putting a name to it. So only Lazarus is the one that comes back from the dead. He was adding power to his words. All right. So today I'm going to teach you on structure. Now some of it might rub you the wrong way. Some of it you might hear it and say, Ooh, I don't know, it sounds a little extreme. But I'm going to back it up by scripture. And so long as it's backed up by the word of God, we have to adjust ourselves and not adjust the word of God. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to teach you things that you might not like to hear. But it's backed up by scripture. And so long as it's backed up by scripture, it's our hearts that have to adjust and not the Word of God. You understand? All right. So today with God's grace, I want to teach you the grace of second line leaders. So what does that mean? The grace of second line leaders 
means that there is a pastor in the house. But it means that I'm not the pastor if I am not the senior pastor of the house. You see, in a church, you can have a senior pastor, you can have an assistant pastor, associate pastor, executive pastor, teaching pastor, music pastor, you can have a children's pastor, you can have a pastor of hospitality, you can have a pastor of the security, you can have a pastor of the chair ministry, a pastor of the camera ministry, pastor of whatever. You can add a title to whatever you want. But still, according to God's authority, there is one pastor in the house. Because what does the word pastor mean? He's a shepherd. You cannot have two shepherds shepherding a flock. How many steering wheels do you have in a car? There's a reason for that. How many mouths do you have on your face? There's a reason for that. Because when you have more than one mouth, it creates confusion. So I want to talk to you about how the rest of the body amplifies what the mouth is speaking. I want to talk to you about how the body causes the mouth to get to certain locations so that way the hands can do what they're designed to do is that okay all right so i want to open up with our first scripture it says first corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 to 17. if you will if you will bear with me i'm going to read from the king james version and some of the scriptures we're going to read are things that you have already heard yesterday first corinthians 4, chapter 4 verses 16 to 17 and if you are a pastor who's in the house, I strongly recommend that you write down everything that we're going to be talking about today because you will be mesmerized at how much it will structure your church if you are struggling with structure. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, that's Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere and in every church. We just looked at a piece of scripture where Paul is talking and he's saying, I'm sending you my son, Timothy. He's my beloved son. He's the one I trust. He's the one who is faithful, faithful which means he's the one that has been tested and proven, which means the father tests and proves the leaders that are underneath him to see if you're faithful enough for me to send out. Now, many of us have many desires inside of us of things that we want to do. But a father would be shooting himself in the foot if he doesn't test you first. And so he's saying, I have tested this kid. I've looked into him and I've put him through the ringer. That's the Canadian way of saying I've tested you in every area possible to see if you are going to fail in the assignment I want to give you. The thing is that many of us grow up in the church and we have many desires of, of ministries we want to be involved in. We have dreams and hopes of one day being a pastor or an evangelist. Or we want to travel to go to different parts of India or different parts of the world. We have, different, we have ideas of us standing on platforms. Maybe some of us have been sleeping at night when we've had dreams. Or we've been praying and we've seen visions. And so it creates hope and anticipation and excitement inside of us. And so we look towards that. At the same time, our spirit is looking at that, but our physical eyes are looking at where we are. And so what happens is when that happens, if you don't have a spiritual and a heavenly perspective, is you begin to try and force and maneuver and strive to create things. And so what happens is a child of God who is a second line leader in the church, which means you're not a pastor, but you're somebody who supports the senior pastor. It means that you're somebody who understands the importance of staying in a hidden place. You're not trying to promote yourself. You're not trying to get your own voice heard. 
As a matter of fact, you know that if, if God's vision and his desire has been placed inside of you, you know that the plans and purposes of God, the Bible says, are buried deep inside the heart of man. So which means if they're buried inside the heart of man, we can trust God enough to bring them to the surface in his time. That was one of the questions that we were answering yesterday. That God has a perfect time to bring everything to the, to the surface. And he doesn't need you or me to cause it to happen. As a matter of fact, the fastest way to get the plans of God to come to fruition is for your spirit to be at perfect rest with where you are. That's the fastest way to get there. But many of us don't understand how to be a Joshua to a Moses. You see, we're Joshua. We walk by Moses. We desire to be like Moses. We say, man, it's no fair that Moses gets to see God face to face. All I get to do is come into the tent. And while Moses is looking at God face to face, I have to keep my face on the ground because I don't want to die. We don't know how to be a Moses. I'm sorry, we don't know how to be a Joshua to a Moses. Although one day Joshua ends up becoming a Moses to Israel. We don't know how to be an Elisha to an Elijah. See, Elisha, it says, how, how did he walk with the prophet? It says all he did was pour water on his hands. But listen, I'm the one wearing the mantle. You see, Elijah went to Elisha, put the mantle on and said, here you go, you're the prophet, you get to lead the people, see you, I'm going, sayonara. But he's the one, Elisha runs after Elijah and says, no, 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 I still recognize you as my father. I still recognize you as the one who has put authority in the mantle on my back. I recognize that you are the one who was sent by God to anoint me. I recognize that you are the one that has sent, was sent by God to lift me up, to give me a platform, to position me, to give me a ministry. And so I submit to you, even though I'm carrying my own anointing, even though I am carrying a mantle, I humble myself not to speak, not to flaunt my gift, not to show off how much knowledge and intelligence I have, not to be proud in, in, in a subtle way, but... I am going to serve you by simply pouring water on your hands. Listen, Elisha, you're now walking the earth as the greatest prophet living at the time. And he says, I'm going to shut up and I'm just going to pour water on your hands. But many of us don't know how to come into church and just set up the chairs and be quiet. Everyone's got to know, I set up the chairs. Everyone has to know, look at how much they're all in a line. Look, I put the exact number. I put three chairs on this side and I put three chairs on this side. Everything is perfectly calculated. I woke up this morning and I drew a plan of the whole church. Everything is perfectly designed in order. I measured everything. This has this many centimeters and this many centimeters. And everyone has to know how good you are at doing your ministry. That's a person you don't promote. This, this is a person you don't, why? Because this is a person who's trying to self-promote themselves. This is a person who is trying to manipulate the plans and purposes of God for their own benefit. And so when you see people like that, those are the people you leave them where they are until they come to a place of rest with where they are. Because rest is what promotes you the fastest in the kingdom of God. Pastors, I hope you're listening. Don't make a mistake and promote the wrong person. Afterwards say, I don't know where he went wrong. He didn't. We went wrong. You follow what I'm saying? All right. So we haven't got to number one. Number one, and we're already 15 minutes in. Number one, second line leaders. I want to give you the focuses of a second line leader. So if you are not the pastor, if you are an associate pastor, or if you're a teacher, or if you're just somebody who, who is involved in ministry, you are a second line leader. What I'm sharing today is everything that you are supposed to function in every day of your life for the benefit of the kingdom. And so that way your house explodes with the glory of God. Number one, you strengthen yourself in the word of God, but not for yourself. You see, when we come to the Lord, let's look at the scripture. It says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15. Like I told you, we got to back up everything. 
2 Timothy chapter 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It means when you come to the Lord, how many of you remember when you first got saved, you first gave your life to Christ, you started reading the Bible, you were hungry, you wanted to know everything about Christ, right? Why? It's because you were trying to build yourself up. You were so much in love with God, you wanted to know everything there was. But there comes a certain point in your life as a child of God that you are no longer studying the Word of God to build yourself up. There comes a point of transition in the life of a Christian where now I am, I'm studying the Word of God, but I'm studying the Word of God in order to be applicable in the kingdom of God. See, if you study, if you look at a pastor, we were talking about it yes, yesterday, there's a point where a pastor is studying, but at the same time he's building himself up, right? So when you come to that point where you're no longer only building yourself up, you know you're at a point of shifting. You're at a point of transition in your life to greater things. Because as a child of God, the first step as a baby Christian is for me to feed myself and feed myself and feed myself to get grow and become stronger. But then as a certain time, as a certain time comes in our lives, we begin to feed other people. You know, when I didn't have children, I would just stuff myself full of food. But eventually I had my own children, right? And then I had to feed them. See, that's what a pastor does. The Lord gives him a house and the Lord gives him children and then he begins to feed them the word of God that he knows his children need. And he says, my children don't need this and my children don't need that, but this my children need. And so I need to make sure that my children grow the right way. So he begins to feed them. Second line leaders do the same thing. They study the spiritual covering on the church. They study the Father. They see the alignment and the river that he's walking in. The river of the Holy Spirit. What type of teaching is he bringing? And they begin to feed themselves and build themselves up on that teaching and on that structure. They begin to build themselves up not only for themselves, but to be able to teach others in the house of God. Because you see, there comes a point where the, the, the church is growing and there's only one pastor. And a pastor can only do so much. We say, oh, but he's a man of God. He's got the spirit of God. He's walking in the spirit. He should be able to do everything. Jesus did everything. But even Jesus took time to rest. There was even times where Jesus left the people alone. And he says, see ya, I need the break. I need to go and rest. There was even a time where he anointed the disciples and he sent the disciples out to cast out demons and heal the sick. Why? Because he's saying, listen, I can only do so much. I need to rest too. Because as much as Jesus himself was God, he was also man. And as much as the pastor is a man of God, he's also man, right? We talked about it yesterday. Yes, he's man of God. He's speaking on behalf of God, but he's also living on behalf of man. So second line leaders have the vision that I am here to support what God is doing in the house. And so I need to build myself up in order to build up the house, in order to build up the kingdom of God, so that way my pastor can focus on what he is supposed to be doing. So that way the leader of the house can focus on what his mandate from God is. You see, if you study in the word of God, the mandate from God to the covering on the house is to be a man of prayer and a man of the word. That's his focus. But yet we want the man of God to come to our house, He's got to be at our birthday parties. You know, our children are born. He's got to come and bless them. He's got to come to the house and bless the house. He's got to bless the new car. He's got to bless us because we got a new job. He's got to go here. He's got to go there. That was never written in scripture. These are all man-made. Scripture says, man of God, you devote yourselves to the word and to prayer. The rest is second line leaders. So other than word and prayer, guess what? Your second line leader, that's your job, not the pastor's. Welcome to scripture. 
I'm telling you, we have gone crooked in so many things we've done in life. So many things that we've done in the church. Oh, we build this and we do this and we do that. And we think it's all cool because there are many teachers and many theologians and many people who have all established that. But it's not in word. It's not in the word of God at all. The word of God says you are the man of God. You are the covering. You devote yourself to prayer and the word. The rest, listen, there are elders and brethren in the church that can take care of it. But these are all people who are trusted, people who have been proven, people who are, have been tested. That's why he says, I'm sending you my faithful son. Remember we talked about yesterday? Step one is becoming a son and daughter in the house. I'm trying to get you guys to the plans and purposes that God has for your life. Not the plans and purposes that you desire. The plans and purposes that God has for your life. It starts by becoming a son and daughter, number one. Number two, it starts by you stepping into your role as a second line leader. And accepting that you have a father who has to test and prove you. So you strengthen yourself in the word of God for the house of God. We also talked about there are the plans and purposes of God for your life. And there's the plans and purposes of God that we have for our lives. That's why you hear so many times there are people who are working in these the jobs. They're not satisfied. They're saying, oh, but God gave me this job. I prayed and I didn't have a job and he gave me this job. And now you're working from 9 in the morning till 9 at night or from 6 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And you say, oh, but I, have, I get home. I'm so tired. I have no time to pray, no time to read the word of God. I'm so angry all the time. I'm frustrated. And, and, I, and I get upset at my wife. I, I'm hitting my kids. And you're saying, but this is a job from God. Are you sure this came from God? Are you sure that it was, this wasn't the desires of your heart? See, many times we have our own desires and we're not fulfilling God's desires. So when you begin to strengthen yourself, it's where you begin to evaluate your desires in your own heart. And you begin to release things in order to strengthen yourself for the house of God. So you need to begin to adjust your own agenda. Everyone say, adjust my own agenda. You need to adjust your own agenda. You need to study and say, what is it in my life and what is it that is in my heart that is of God? That I know for a fact God told me to do this. And what is there that is my desires? What is it that I am doing? The stuff that it is you, push it to the side. Because anything that is in our life that is not from God but from ourselves comes from flesh. What does the Bible say? God gives you the desires of what? God gives you the desires of your heart, right? Okay. But we're confused because the problem is that the heart is also part of the soul. Because in the soul, it's made up of two parts. It's made up of our mind, which is our thoughts, and it's made up of our heart. And the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. It says it deceives us. When God says, he gives you the desires of what? Huh. God gives you the desires of your heart, which is desperately wicked, which is deceiving and takes you off track. So he's saying, listen, I'm giving you the desires of your heart, but it's up to you to maintain your heart and keep it under control. Right? Why? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It comes straight from my spiritual father. So I'm going to drop it into your hearts. Because your heart and your mind is like a garden. And when God made the Garden of Eden, he didn't stay there to maintain all the fruits and vegetables for Adam and Eve. He put it there and then he put the man to maintain it. Inside the garden had everything that they need. So the desires of your heart has everything that you need for life. But you need to maintain it. If you don't maintain it, weeds are going to grow, they grow there. Guarantee me. And what's going to happen? That's going to take you off track. So anytime the word of God talks about the blessings of God, the riches of heaven, which by the way, are yours here on earth. There are many people that say, oh, well, that's only for, you know, the spiritual riches. Oh yeah? Go and tell that to Solomon. It says that there was nobody richer than him before or after. And why? Because of the blessing of God that was on his life. 
My goodness. Man becomes king and he begins to sow crazy. Sow in the thousands to the kingdom of God. And the Lord takes pleasure on him. Go and look. Right after he sowed, what happens? Immediately has an encounter with God because of his giving. It's unbelievable. Right? Now the Bible says, so he says, I give you the desires of your heart. So you need to maintain your heart because God's going to give you what's in your heart. So if your heart is full of weeds, it's going to lead you tangent. So that second line leaders, what happens is that you begin to maintain your heart for the kingdom of God and not for your own benefits and blessings. Making sense to you? All right. Number two, you establish a connection and a relationship with sons and daughters. Everyone say establishes a connection and a relationship with sons and daughters of my covering. Acts chapter 6 verses 2 to 7. Acts chapter 6 verses 2 to 7 says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas and the proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. So the man of God we already talked about. He's covering preaching of the word and prayer. Second line leaders do everything else. Now the Bible is saying that numbers are being increased. Numbers are being increased. How is that the pastor's problem? Is that the pastor's problem? That numbers are increasing. Numbers are increasing. The pastor's supposed to do something about it? Who's supposed to do something about it? Second line leaders. Second line leaders are supposed to care for them. So you have to understand as a second line leader, you are the connection between the church that is expanding, between the daughters and sons that are in the house, and the man of God. In a church, listen, we could be a church of 25 people. Very easy for a senior pastor to come down, greet everybody, stand at the door, praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord, sister. Yes, yes, God is good. Yes, yes, matchless name. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Very easy. Try doing that when you have a thousand people in your church. I've been to churches where there's like 500 people and half the church is upset. Why? The pastor doesn't stand at the door anymore and shake my hand on the way out. I came to church, pastor wasn't there to say hello to me. But the pastor is your personal servant. He's supposed to wait on you hand and foot. That's not what the Bible says. It says preaching the word and prayer. You got a problem with that? You stand at the door and greet everybody when they come in. And please do it with a smile on your face. Because right now you don't look too happy. So listen, second line, you become the connection between the sons and daughters. So what happens is the pastor cannot, be, cannot go to every single person. Say, sister, praise the Lord. How are you, sister? Yes, yes everything is okay. Yes, yes, God. Pastor can't, that, can't do that to everybody. So second line leaders understand that and they fill that role. They fill that role. Oh, how are you, brother? Yes, oh, I was with the pastor. He sends greetings. Yes, he loves you very much. How is everything going on in your life? Is everything okay? Is there anything I can pray for? Is there anything that you need? Okay, now you bring that to the pastor and you say, listen, I was communicating with so-and-so person. Why? Because the man of God is going to be sitting in prayer. He's going, Moses is going before the face of God. But yet you want to go and tell, you know, somebody else in another tent beside you, you know, these are my problems and I don't know why it's not getting fixed. Because you're not following proper protocol. 
There is a way that the kingdom was designed to work. And I don't care what denomination you're part of. There is a way the kingdom of God works. It doesn't matter if you call yourself Pentecostal or what you call yourself. And if we follow the way the kingdom is supposed to work, things flow. That's why it's a river. But when we don't, when we try and create our own paths, we end up putting rocks and logs in the water. And eventually, that all builds up together and it creates what's called a dam. Then the river is not flowing anymore. We don't know why. Because there's too much of man in the river. And the river is supposed to be fully spirit. Making sense to you. And so second line leaders, you become the connection between the covering of the house and everyone else. Remember, second line leader, it's a position of servanthood. It's a position of Elisha where you understand that there's a grace on your life, that there's anointing on your life, but not to flaunt it. The grace and anointing on your life is there to serve the kingdom and to serve the house. It's there to serve your God and making sure that the plans and purposes that are flowing through the senior leadership of the house of God have a clear direction, a clear line to be able to flow. Like I said, there are, many, there are many dimensions and layers to this where the second line leaders need to fulfill every different layer. They need to step in and help people. They need to step into Sunday school. Why? Because the pastor can't be there to teach. They need to step in and help the cell groups and the groups that are happening in homes. Why? Because the pastor can't possibly go to every single house. It's impossible. Now, I don't know about here, but in Montreal, where I come from, we used to have 13 cell groups in, house, in the house. 13 cell groups in different, in different locations. And in Montreal, it's very vast. So anytime you want to drive to one place, it'll take you like an hour just to go to one house. Then you want to drive to another house, it takes you another hour to go over there. But you have 13. And you're supposed to go visit all 13 in one day as a senior pastor. It's impossible. And that's why you have many people in cell groups because the senior pastor doesn't come. Now all of a sudden the people don't want to come anymore. Why? Oh, because the senior pastor is not there. No, but his second line leader is there. And remember, that's Timothy. It's his trusted son who teaches you his ways while he is teaching Timothy Christ's ways. But because we have limitations in our mind that says, I can only receive if the senior pastor is there. And so because we put limitations on the senior pastor, now we put limitations on what God wants to do in the house. Because God wants to expand your house and give you multiple houses. I said God wants to expand your house and give you multiple houses. But the thing is that because we put limitations on the senior pastor, now, this, now our church can't even grow beyond 500 people. It has to stay to, you know, 100 people. But God wants to give the church thousands. And God wants to give us multiple buildings and multiple locations. God wants to create satellite churches and, and etc. But we have problems because we have too many limitations. And so second line leaders are people who are always casting off limitations. Second line leaders are people who are always evaluating themselves to say, what do I need to get rid of in order to create a clear flow that the plans of God that are coming through the senior pastor are flowing directly into the church in a pure form. And this is the call of second line leaders. Oh, this is a good one. Don't get upset at me when I say it. All right, we're going to look... <laughs> John chapter 7 verses 2 to 9. John chapter 7 verses 2 to 9 says this. Now the Jews, now the Jews feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret for he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After this, he remained in Galilee. Ambition. 
second line leaders have to rid themselves of ambition. Ambition is a fruit that brings divisive works into the house of God. There are many times, pastors listen, where we are raising up a son or a daughter or someone that we believe is a son or daughter or even if it's just somebody who happens to be very qualified. This is a mistake we make all the time. We see somebody who's talented with media, somebody who's very knowledgeable with, with music. And so we immediately say, oh, I got to put you on the worship team. Somebody who has a nice voice. Oh, you have to be a worship leader or whatever you want to give them to do. Somebody who's, I don't know, they're very, they're very good. So because they have a certain qualification, we think that they're designed to be in this position. You were designed for this position. Perhaps. But before you can actually step into a position, there are many things that you have to deal with. And if I have ambition in my heart, if it has never been dealt with, then what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up for an Absalom encounter. You see, David had his kingdom. But because there was a lack of structure in David's kingdom, Absalom was allowed to manifest. You see, sons and daughters are supposed to stay close to the father. But Absalom was pushed away from the father. It's the total opposite. So anytime you give a position to somebody that is, uh, that is at a distance from you, that has not been tested, that has not been proven, there is too much distance for you to work with. There's too much space. And like that, that cord of three strands that we were talking about yesterday, when it's tight, there's no room for the enemy to work. But when there is a distance and a gap between the strands, now there is an opening that where the enemy can get in and he can begin to separate the cord. And anything where there is a separation, anytime there's a separation in that cord, now it can be easily broken. And so David, because there was a lack of structure in the kingdom, Absalom was allowed to stay on the outside of the gate. You guys remember the story of Absalom, right? Absalom standing on the outside of the gate and as people would come in oh he would greet them and he would act like he was the kingdom like he was the king right oh if if only I could judge if only I could take care of your situation I would listen and everything would be okay I'm telling you the number of times there are people that act like that in the church say oh yes I'm the son of the father of the house yes I'm I'm yes I'm a member of the church I've been here for X amount of years yes oh I know that the pastor said that but you should listen to me I know because I've studied and this is what the scripture says excuse me you're not the pastor of the house oh if only he would make me a teacher and oh, only if he would anoint me as a pastor oh if only he would give me the microphone to sing as worship oh the glory of God would come down Oh, if, if only they would put a camera in my hand, then on social media, the camera wouldn't shake so much. Oh, if only he would give me the keys to the church, everything would be ready on time. I mean, this is ambition in the heart. When people do not learn how to control their ambition, they have enough power to tear down a kingdom. And that's how David, David, you fought giants. You've been into battle. How on earth do you think they got that song? Saul's killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. But you can't take down one son who has ambition in his heart. One son who has ambition in his heart. The whole army is against your son. But you're there weeping for your son. He's the one that kicked you out of your kingdom. He's the one that slept with your wives and your concubines. One person took down an entire kingdom. Why? Because ambition was not kept in check. Pastors, guard your churches. Refrain from promoting people who have not been proven and tested. Why? It is the fastest way to lose a house. It is the fastest way for the voice of God to be kicked out of the house. That's why we have so many pastors who say, well, 
I'm going to go start my own church. And they go off and they start their own thing. Yeah, why? Because it started here. Because they were not getting what they wanted, they tried to force their way. Because they weren't getting what they wanted, now they want to break and they want to go start their own ministry. And when starting their own, min own ministry is one thing, but now they want to take half of the church with them. So that's why you have many times you have people who call you, they come by your house and they'll talk to you, they shake your hand, oh praise the Lord sister, praise the Lord brother, oh come, yes, 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 oh I'm doing something great, oh the Lord is moving mightily. There's two people in your church and the Lord is moving mightily. Guard from ambition. Second line leaders, guard your heart from ambition. Guard your heart from ambition. Absalom was the son of the king. Do you know what that means? That means you can consider yourself a son and daughter of the house. And just because you forget to monitor ambition, you can be stolen from where you were planted by God. Absalom did not choose to be born of David. God put him there. Why? Because Absalom, everything you need for life is supposed to come from your father. See, there is a grace and an anointing on David. There is a positioning that came to David. There was a mantle that was on David. It was put there by God. It belonged, it belonged to Saul. It belonged to, to Jonathan. But God took it away and gave it to David. You see, it's on the father. But as a son, you get to benefit from it. If we can learn how the kingdom of God works as a son, you get to benefit from that grace. You get to benefit from whatever is flowing through the father. So what happens is many times we get excited because we see the grace coming off the Father and it's coming onto us. And then we begin to function in the same grace. This is things that we were talking about yesterday. You begin to function in the same grace and all of a sudden pride comes to your heart. Oh, I'm functioning just like my Father. I have an anointing like my Father. And so now all of a sudden we want to step out and create our own platform. And that was never given to you by God. That was never given. That's why an Absalom took the kingdom from David. It's because it was never given to him in the first place. And when a son doesn't get what they want, they always rise up and try and take it. And that's why the church is in need of true sons and daughters. That's why you read the scriptures, my true son. My true son. You have been proven. You've been tested. Can, can your senior pastor, can the senior leadership, can they entrust you with a cell group and not have to worry that you're going to go and take them and do your own ministry? Can they trust you? Can they say, listen, I need to go away. I need to go and plant a church. I need to go and preach at a conference. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Can they do that and say, I'm going to entrust you with a platform and not have to worry about what you're going to teach, not have to worry about how you're going to, how you're going to treat the people, not have to worry about what you're going to say behind their back about them and what you're going to say in secrets? Can they, can they trust you? Because that little bit of ambition that is left alive can create a huge hole. So a second line leader is always monitoring their heart for that Absalom spirit to make sure that Absalom has no room to grow in the house. Do you remember what I was talking about yesterday about vulnerability and standing there in your girdle? Right? Some of you I know will never forget that. Just because of the whole point of standing in your girdle. Now the thing is, that vulnerability is your protection. Sometimes as vulnerability, we don't think that being vulnerable is our protection because we feel exposed. Right? We, we don't know, how, how is the senior leadership going to look at me? Man, once they know this stuff that's in my heart, or once they know the stuff that I've been struggling with, what's going to happen is that they're never going to give me a platform. They're never going to give me a microphone. They're never going to entrust me with anything in the church anymore. These are the thoughts that run through our head. But like the nurse who ran with Mephibosheth, should have ran towards 
the mantle, should have run towards the relationship, should have ran towards the covenant. And then you would realize that there was enough grace there to cover even your sin. Enough grace to cover every flaw. And that's why when Mephibosheth came to David, he says, I don't care that you're crippled. I don't even care that you don't even consider yourself my son. He says, I'm going to ask you to sit at my table. And he says, I sit at my table like a son. There is enough grace in the house of God to cover your sin. There's enough grace in the house to cover your flaw. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Earlier here, there was a very anointed man of God who was standing here talking about uh, addictions and, and I, I, pornographies. I remember I was just talking with him in the back. And I don't know if he's still here, but what a man of, man of God. God is using that man. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter what your struggle is. If you can be vulnerable with your senior leadership, you can see that that makes you a trusted son and daughter of the house. Because anyone, anyone who doesn't expose themselves is somebody that can't be trusted. Why? Because that means you're trying to hide something. And if you're trying to hide something like you're struggling with something I'm teaching, then that means what else are you going to be hiding? Maybe the fact that you're going around and you're talking to all of the youth group in the church. Or you're going around and talking to all of the senior elders in the church. And you're trying to take the church away from the pastor. This is why we see so many divisions in the church. You know, you look around and there's like, there's like a thousand churches that pop up in a certain city. And it was like, oh, God is moving mightily in the city. No, it's because out of a thousand churches, it used to be 500 churches. And every church split. And you only had 500 churches because it used to be 250 churches and every one of those churches split. And you only have 250 churches because it was 125. You get the idea? Why? Because at one point there was ambition that was not monitored. I'll give you the desires of your heart. You desire your own platform. You desire your own microphone. Oh, God uses me for healings. Praise God. There's the spirit of Christ in all of us. We can all heal. What's so special about yours? Oh, I prophesied. Praise God, the spirit of prophecy is here. The Bible says we should all prophesy. What's so special about yours? The Bible says, yes, that spirit is in us. The Bible says, fan the gift into flame. So what's so special about one man's gift over another? Is that he's taken time to fan it into flame and God is using him. You do the same and recognize where your gift came from. The Bible says, fan into flames the gift that you've received by what? By the laying on of? No, it says by the laying on of my hands. Read your scripture by the laying on of my hands. My hands. Paul is saying by the laying on of my hands. Saying you are a son and daughter. I laid my hands on you as a father. And now what you are carrying is connected to the father. So what happens is now you have a gift that was related on your father. Now the gifts of God are irrevocable, remember? But now you step out from the covering from where it came from. And now that gift is no longer under a covering, which means it's no longer covered. Remember, what does a covering do? It covers your sin and your flaws. That's why when you go and expose yourself to your covering in your house, when you go and expose yourself to your pastor, the grace on him covers your sin. He doesn't expose it to the church. He covers your sin. But now you have a gift that you got through the laying on of the Father's hands. Now you step out, and that covering is no longer covering you up. So I hope you have the same prayer life that he had before the Father, so that way your sins are covered. Why? Because if not, there's going to be a whole, light of, a whole lot of light that's going to be shining on you. And what does light do? It shines wherever there's darkness. So that means wherever there's darkness, whatever's there is going to be shown. So guard yourself from ambition. Why? Because if you don't, I guarantee you, everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to see it. 
You guard yourself from ambition. I'm telling you, God will use the father of the house to lift you up. Why? Because you have to understand, we talked about it, he's man of God, right? There's a part of him that God is functioning through and there's a part of him that's still man. That man that's inside of him needs to know, can I trust this person? He's not going to say, oh, it's a child of God, let me just give him the keys to the church. It doesn't work that way. He wants to know, can I trust you with the church? Can I, can I trust you to take care of that part of the church so that way I don't have to think about it because I'm trying to do something else? You remember, I think Dr. John was talking about this yesterday and it was brilliant. He said, listen, pastors, know what you're good at and things that you're not so strong at, find other people around you that can do it for you, right? Second line leaders, hello. What do you think he was talking about? Who is the second line leaders? That's you guys. So listen, can you be the right arm of your pastor? Can you be the one that stands there and holds up his arms? See, when we, when we read in scripture, we hear about holding up his arms. Everyone thinks that's prayer. Don't look at me like, oh, don't smile. He's going to know that that was my thought. Hold up the arms of your pastor. Everyone's like, yes, pastor, we're holding up your arms. Yes, we're praying. But the man of God is still running like crazy trying to do everything in the house. And all you're doing is praying. Prayer is not what he needs. Prayer he's already doing. Remember, prayer and the word. What he needs is people who will step in and help. But can he trust you? Because there is a need. Everyone's like, well, I want to be used in the church. I'm telling you, listen, there is a need. The church needs you to be involved. It's not, all on, it's not a burden for the pastor to carry everything. It was never designed like that by God. That's why the apostles were, were, were running the church at some point. And they said, listen, we can't keep doing this to wait on tables. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. We can't keep waiting on tables. It says, find seven people of with a good reputation. People that are full of the Spirit. So just because you have a great qualification and you're good with your hands, it doesn't mean that you should be standing in that position. Why? Because we're looking for people who are full of the Spirit. Why? Because when there's a need, you can't just look through your natural eyes. You need to be led by the Spirit too. Why? Because we're talking about a house of God. We're talking about a divine and a spiritual connection that is supposed to be flowing through your Father. And many of us have not understood how to tap into a spiritual connection. Oh, I just need to sit there and listen to his teachings. No, you don't. Because in scripture you had people that separated and went their own ways. Why? Because they were listening to different teachings. It's a spiritual and a divine connection. Yes, there's the teaching part, but there's the spiritual way of connecting with the house of God as well. So we're looking for people who can look through their natural eyes and people can also look through their spiritual eyes. People that can be led by the Spirit of God, not for themselves, but to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, to be a blessing to the house of God. Can you be that trusted person? It says, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of... I can't hear you. In the midst of wolves. And number, verse 4, it says, carry no... Carry no purse, which is... Ladies, no, what's your purse? Oh, you don't know what your purse is? Your wallet, okay. All right, so we do know what it is. All right. So, that's right. In ESV, it says, carry no money bag. It says also, carry no knapsack. Carry no sandals. And greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace... If a what? Uh, okay. If a son of peace is there, 
your peace will rest upon him. First qualification for the peace to stay in your house because the man of God visited you, what? Is because you're a son. So it says, if a son of peace is there, then your peace will rest upon him. That's how you draw peace from your man of God. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. All right. Carry no purse, carry no money bag, carry no knapsack, carry no sandals, carry no this, carry no that. Is it because God is against all these things? Huh? Think about it. Is God against you wearing sandals? So a man of God is not allowed to have sandals. Is, is a man of God allowed to carry his own bag, a knapsack? course he could carry his own knapsack I have a briefcase I have multiple briefcases I'm sure you do too so it says carry no money bag man of God is not allowed to have any money right but yet a man of God is supposed to be a humble man a poor man he's supposed to dress you know torn denims old dirty t-shirt and that's what we classify as being humble men of God are like preach it yeah that's right. What is humble? Is it because of the way you look that, oh, you can't dress in fine clothes because then you look proud? You can't drive a nice car because then you look proud? That's not what scripture was saying. You understand? Listen, the Bible was saying, carry no money bag, carry no knapsack. Why? It says, because when you go to a town, it says, if there is a son of peace there, stay with him and the peace will be on him. You have to understand what scripture was saying. A lot of times we know, we know incredible verses, but we don't have understanding of what they mean. You understand? He says, go, if, you're us, if there's a son of peace, if your son is there and you stay with him, he says, what you carry will be his reward. If you honor a prophet, you shall receive a? Okay, so we know. So if my son is there, what I'm carrying shall be on him, right? But what's the qualification? What does it say? Be a son of peace. And after that, it says what? It says stay there. It says eat. It says drink. So when you take care of the man of God, you're able to draw from what he carries. Do you understand? We know scripture, but we have not interpreted it properly. We don't have understanding on it. So you have to say, as a second line leader, we have a responsibility to care for our leader. We have, it's not just spiritual responsibility of lifting him up in prayer. Yes, you do do that. You do. You cover him in prayer like crazy. Why? Because if you, if you attack the shepherd, then the sheep are scattered. So that's why we cover our senior leader in prayer. But it's not only that. You cover him in prayer so that demons don't attack his house and his marriage and his family, etc. But at the same time, if you leave him in financial distress, if none of his needs are taken care of by the people of God, by the church, now he has a different anxiety on his home. Because now he has to take care of his wife and he also has to take care of his children and he has nothing to do it with. Do you understand? 
Now that's my senior leader. That is my pastor. When people see my pastor, I need to be excited saying, yeah, that's my pastor. I need to celebrate my pastor. That's my man of God. Yes, that's, that's my man of God. But when your man of God is in torn denims and he's wearing no sandals because he can't afford and he has a t-shirt that's all dirty, are you proud to say, this is my man of God, hallelujah. And you're wearing a nice suit, driving a nice car and the man of God is standing there in regs. It's our responsibility as second line leaders to take care of our senior pastor, to take care of the leader of the house, to take care of the father of the house. Yes, you have to understand, the father of the house walks in faith with God. I mean, if you talk with the pastors in here, I'm telling you, they've all seen the hand of God already work in their lives. They know what it is to live by faith. The walk of a man of God is just that. Living by faith. As a second line leader, you're not being the pastor who's living by faith. You're being the hand of God taking care of the pastor. There's a difference in understanding how the structure of a church is supposed to work. Everyone say, oh, I have to live by faith. Yes, you live by faith, but also understand your role and responsibility in the house of God. The pastor lives by faith. He doesn't have anybody to take care of except for his wife and his children. And his senior leader, his spiritual covering. But for you and me, we have to take care of our covering. We have to take care of our leader. So we take care of his expenses. We make sure that he is not in distress, that he doesn't have those anxieties. So as second line leaders, we keep an eye on him. Pastor, is there anything that I can take care of for you? Have you, are, are you sure, are you able to take care of your finances? Pastor, can I pay your cell phone this month? Pastor, can I put gas in your car? Huh? Pastor, I, I see, I see your, 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 your sandals are a little broken. Can I buy you a new pair of sandals? Don't say that. Just find out from his wife his, fo his foot size and go and buy him shoes. Even if he doesn't need, take care of him. Take care of him. Why? So that way when he comes, he's not always wearing the same thing every single Sunday. So that way he can look nice and say, I am proud to say that is my pastor. He is a man of God. He is fighting for me and I am taking care of him. Now, you honor, you honor the prophet you receive from the prophet. You honor your father you receive from your father. Now you have to have eyes to see the senior pastor of the church. You have to have eyes to see the senior leader of the church. Many times there's a senior leader that can be very proud and arrogant in the way he runs the church. Okay, these are the truths. Sometimes people grow that way. But if your man of God is a man that walks with the heart of God, walks in humility, that you can see he truly has the love of God flowing through him for the people. Ah, oh, come on. Take care of him like he's your own physical, biological father. Because you have to understand, everything that happens on earth happens first in the spirit. Right? Do you, have, you read your, have you read scripture? Everything that happens on earth first happens first in the spirit. Apart from it actually being written, Daniel prays and he says the answer was first released in the spirit before it was made manifest on earth. Right? So before you have a biological father, you have a... But yet we all want to take care of our natural parents. And we forget about our spiritual parents. What you draw from that advances your life here on the earth is drawn from your spiritual parents, not your physical parents. Because once your physical parents are long gone and they're up in heaven, Lord willing, praise God, you have a certain amount of inheritance that dies off at a certain point. But with your spiritual parents, that inheritance goes and goes and goes because it's a spiritual inheritance that you've received from them. 
There is a mantle that has no end because it comes from the Lord and it flows down like the oil, right? On the, flows down the beard of Aaron. It goes from the head and it goes all the way down to the feet. So if I can position myself underneath the head, what is on him must flow to me if I can learn to honor my position of being under him and supporting him. You see, as the neck to the head, the head is saying, okay, I'm going this direction. The head is trying to say, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to go this way. It doesn't work. If my neck is going this way, my head is going this way, the oil from the head will never go down to the neck. But if I can continue to stay on him and underneath him and support him and go in the direction that he wants to go, if I can follow him and what God is sending and wanting to do through him, it's just a matter of time that the church is going to go somewhere, that the kingdom is going to grow and it's going to go somewhere. And whatever is on him, so long as I stay with him, so long as I stay underneath him, so long as I can support him, so long as I keep my heart in check and in balance, so long as I'm guarding myself from ambition, so long as I'm functioning as a second line leader and caring for the father of the house, Whatever is on my father must come to me. Amen. The blessings on my father must come to me. Amen. There are spiritual elements, principles, and truths that as a church we need to understand. Stop reading scripture just for the sake of reading scripture. Get understanding. The Bible tells us to get understanding. Have I gone past my time? The Bible tells us get understanding. Get understanding. Why? Because if you don't get understanding, you're going to read the scripture and all you're going to do is become really smart. It looks good when you're speaking to people, but it doesn't advance your life. It doesn't advance you for the kingdom. Get understanding so that you yourself will not be deceived by whatever is spoken to you. Get understanding. Turn to your neighbor and say, get understanding. Get understanding. So I didn't get a chance to cover everything and I'm out of time already. So Lord willing, we can continue tomorrow. But I can't even guarantee you that because I want to hear what the Lord wants to give you guys tomorrow. So will you be in prayer? Be in prayer that the Lord releases to you exactly what you need. Because from the time this conference ends, you will be functioning in everything that has been spoken and poured into you in this conference. Remember, there, there are people, there are anointed, mighty men of God who have stood on this platform. Right? You have, like I said, the pastor. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. is Pastor Samuel, I think. Pastor? Al Albert, who was standing anointed man of God. Dr. John, heavily anointed man of God. These men of God have been pouring into your lives. Take notes. Take notes. Don't try and go off of your memory. Because if your memory is like mine, you forget everything. Take notes. Why? Because you can go over it and over it and over it. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Why? Because you grow through your meditation. You're going to get information, which for you, it sounds good right now. Your spirit is moved. But as you think on that, as you pray on it, it goes from information through meditation. It translates to revelation. And once you have revelation, the enemy cannot take away from you. It doesn't matter what deception comes your way. The enemy cannot take it from you. Some of you are going to be functioning in very heavy grace as a second line leader. Stay underneath the spiritual covering. Guard yourself from ambition because God has already begun to lift you guys up. Even if you say, oh, but I'm not doing anything in the church. You've already begun to be lifted up in the spirit. It happens first in the spirit and then it happens on earth.